This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 9th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, here's hoping you all had a safe and pleasant Memorial Day break. If I may, I'd like to add my salute to all of those who've made the ultimate sacrifice and laid down their lives so the rest of us could continue to enjoy our freedom. In this, the greatest nation in the world, an irrefutable fact. If you think otherwise, simply ask yourselves why thousands are at our southern border, desperately trying to gain access to the U.S. of A. And while this is the greatest place on earth, it's also an imperfect one. But all of us that have have been privileged to be born American citizens, Democrat, Republican, liberal, or progressive, black, brown, or white, gay, straight, or undecided, should never feel the need to apologize for that, or feel anything less than pride in our citizenship. Imperfect, yes, we are. But let's continue to learn from our history rather than cancel it. That's the best way to assure a brighter future for us all. Okay, that's my rant. One last word, though. In addition to our troops, might I extend my thanks as well to first responders, doctors and nurses in emergency rooms and hospitals across the country, firefighters and to our police, to any and all in the uniformed services. They, too, are truly great American heroes. Today, I also want to welcome a new sponsor. Please join me as I roll out the welcome mat to Atmosphere TV. You'll remember that a couple of weeks ago, I had their co-founder and CEO, Leo Rezig, on the program to talk about their amazing service. If by chance you missed that episode, please go download it and give it a listen. These are some fun-loving guys, but they are dead serious when it comes to changing the game while enhancing engaging TV for customers of businesses, just about any and all businesses with waiting rooms. So, my new BFF is Atmosphere TV's Mike Kelly, and you'll be hearing more about Atmosphere and maybe even from Mike himself in the weeks ahead. So, a quick break here, and then a great conversation ahead with a guy that has run the gamut. He's a retired NASCAR driver, a stage four cancer survivor, a franchisor, a franchisee, and if his past record of achievement and fulfilling his dreams holds true, he will be the next United States congressman for the state of Washington's fourth district. I'm back in two minutes or less with my friend, Jared Zessler. Franchise Today will be right back, but first a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, taverns, grills, fast casual concepts, and multi-unit franchisees. Listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if live sports and special event programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with near Nearly 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So, here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with nearly 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive TV, Red Bull TV, Bloopers, Superhuman 
human feet and an array of viewing options that do not require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not limited to just restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So, what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Atmosphere TV keeps guests happy instead of watching the clock and being conscious of wait times. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs and waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you mention Franchise Today, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you at no cost as well. Atmosphere TV, changing the way business views television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember to use the promo code Franchise Today for the no-charge Apple HD receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today at atmosphere.tv. Immediately following high school and before attending college to earn an engineering degree, Jared Seslich served as a petty officer in the U.S. Navy, where he learned to put country and neighbor first. Ten years later, Jared and his wife were shocked by the news that he had stage 4 cancer. Given a 5% chance to live, Jared switched to a plant-based diet and has been healthy ever since. In 2004, Jared started Home Task, a home service business that leverages the franchise business model to meet the home service repair needs of individuals throughout the U.S. and Canada. With veteran discounts for franchisees, Jared has been able to support veterans who have dedicated their lives and risked their futures to make America great again. His commitment to the gospel of Christ has stirred in him a passion for sharing that unlimited hope and joy with others. It has also grounded Jared and pushed him to be a better husband and father. Jared and his wife Nikki have been married for 25 years and are the proud parents of three grown children. Jared Sessler, welcome to Franchise Today. Thanks, Stan. Glad to have, glad to be here. And you're talking to me today from a hotel room in where? Uh, today I'm in Idaho, Boise, Idaho. Does your business take you there or is it something other? <clears throat> well, it's a little bit of a long story that we'll probably get into later, but I'm here for two reasons. One, one of my boys raced in a NASCAR race last night, and so I was uh, enjoying watching that, something that's near and dear to my heart in history. And then um, today I have some meetings related to a potential project Project to remove some dams along a river in in uh, eastern Washington. So we will get into that because politics is going to be part of your life, it seems, which I think is a natural progression from franchising as we talked about in the green room earlier. But we're going to get to all of that and unpack it all. We want to start, though, Jared, the way I do every week, and that's asking you to tell us how franchising found you and when that was, what were you doing then, and how did that connection and intersection come about? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. My background is in engineering, so I have uh, manufacturing and mechanical engineering degrees. And, you know, my dream when I was, aside from telling my mom when I was four I wanted to drive race cars, I, I always, uh, as I got older, I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to work for a Fortune 100 company. And so I did that. I went through high school, college, went in the military, served in the military in the U.S. Navy and ended up working at the most notable job I had was with uh, Intel Corporation and, and as a materials engineer and eventually left that, started my own company, just, just uh, wanted more flexibility and freedom with my time. So I was running a a uh, general construction company that I started. We did some business consulting, helping businesses renovate their their companies, not just 
structurally, but also internally in terms of their processes and, and procedures. And uh, September 11th in 2001, I had a large business, but a, a big, small business and was doing well. And, you know, that really shut things down, especially for anybody that was in the construction industry or any kind of trades or whatever. It was really tough that year after the attack. And following that, one, one of the things that I realized even prior to that, but certainly the years that followed was that there was this difficulty within the construction industry to to compete with some of the big companies. And I also saw this massive need where we would constantly get asked to do projects that were really smaller than what we really wanted to do. And so after the September 11th attack, I really went to work to try to figure out how could we go to market with a business model that would allow us to go do go to someone's house for just an hour and not lose money. And and what would that look like? And and we ended up Eventually, we ended up starting a company called Yellow Van Handyman. It was underneath the umbrella of Hometask.com. Hometask.com is a basically a service center where lots of services can be had. Yellow Van Handyman is just one of those. And the primary push for Yellow Van Handyman is and was a two-hour visit. And we ended up, we didn't, weren't able to make one hour work, but we were able to make two hours work. And then fast forward a little bit to 2004, we started licensing franchises. And, and that was partly as a result of me realizing that as Jim Collins would call it a level five leader. I'm a good leader, but I struggle to get to that level five consistently where I'm that kind of person that can just absolutely motivate people and keep them focused. And I realize, and maybe to an extent I am, I just found a different path to do it. And in what I mean is, is that as an employee of a construction company versus an owner of a professional handyman business, it's a totally different mentality and methodology. And that's why I saw the franchise industry as an opportunity to take something that I love working with my hands and helping other people developing systems and processes and marketing and support and technology to be able to support these professional uh, service providers. And that was my way of helping to lead them and to help make sure that their motivation was secure and that the quality of service is going to be amazing and, and that kind of thing. And so that's kind of what attracted me to the franchise business model. And basically the rest is history. We ended up building a good business out of Yellow Van Handyman, which still operates today. And we also started some other companies and, and brands and we acquired one other brand and ended up kind of fixing that up over a few years and, and reselling it. But that's how I got started in franchising. And you'd mentioned earlier about a dream to race. You tend to have dreams and you tend to live them. Tell us a little about the career with NASCAR. Yeah, so that, I, I really did go, and when I was four years old, I told my mom I wanted to be a race car driver, and it didn't take long before I realized that I was going to have to make a lot of money to be able to afford racing. There's only a handful of people, really, in the grand scheme of things that pay for their career in racing. It's it's a very expensive sport, and even those that make it to the top level have to spend a lot of years working to get there, and usually that's on their parents' dime. But uh, yeah, it, it was... Uh, in the mid 90s, mid to late 90s, I started racing. I did some kart racing. Actually, some coaches of mine got me involved in kart racing just because it was it's a less expensive way of racing that is actually much harder than the heavy car, big car racing. Uh, and that helped me a lot. And then I raced uh, regional and local NASCAR style race cars for close to 10 years and had a great time and very much enjoyed it. And then eventually got my, my kids into 
it and they've kind of grown up in in the sport as well you tend to dream big and then live large jared is what i kind of see repeatedly and you're not one who has challenges that you can't overcome as i've learned too you physically and from a health perspective have overcome some amazing obstacles in your life as well it's fair game to talk a little about that absolutely in fact i have a great little story that uh, you just reminded me of that sort of combines both of those together there's just in terms of the cancer diagnosis and then also my propensity to to do uh, to get things done i was at a conference this was many years ago i don't even know what the year was but there was maybe 1500 people there or something i was speaking and i was being introduced by a guy his name is jim cassell he's he's a guy that he became a dear friend of mine but it certainly didn't start that way in fact it was quite the opposite uh, he's a very passionate person and just a wonderful wonderful person but uh, for whatever reason our relationship started on the rocks but i love him dearly and he passed away a few years ago but uh, he was just a dear genuine friend but during that introduction he very profoundly said the event that i was speaking at was health related so i'll step back before i finish the story on how he introduced me but in 1999 i was diagnosed with stage 4 metastasized melanoma it's a type of cancer skin cancer and i was given a 5% chance of living and i didn't do conventional medical treatment they they told me that if i did i would increase my chances by maybe 15% so i still would only have a, a 20% chance of making it and instead i decided to take a natural approach and change my diet and go with sort of the genesis 129 or uh, it's also in elsewhere in the bible in the book of daniel it's it's referred to as the daniel diet and it's very very much focused on raw, fresh, organic produce and juicing and, you know, eating lots of greens and in their living form and things like that. And so I learned a lot through that, made some pretty significant diet changes in terms of what my priorities were on what the thing I wanted to eat the most of was, and also tried to take some low hanging fruit off the shelf in terms of some of the bad things that I was eating and just get rid of those. And so it did feel radical at the time, but I also feel like it was a wonderful realization of what God intended for us or intends for us in terms of our physical health. And so when Jim was introducing me at this event that I was asked to speak at, one of the things that he said was, Jared Sessler is actually doing it. And he was referring to living a healthy lifestyle because there's a lot of people who follow healthy lifestyles and they aspire to them. But what happens is a lot of times is that our habits and our propensities from the past get the best of us. And in the moment, we sort of revert to those, the things that we stock in our house and the places that we shop and the places that we choose to eat and the things that we order when we're there and the emotions and the habits and all of that sort of sort of takes advantage of that. And so what Jim recognized was that I was a doer. I was willing to go and research and learn something and then actually implement it. And I have multiple of my friends that consider me to be that kind of person. And proof of that is the number of people over the years who come to me with their ideas. There's many, many idea people in the world, but there isn't as many people who will take those ideas and actually put them on the street and as they say, the rubber meet the road. And so that definitely tends to be who I am to the extent where sometimes I probably have done more than I should have at times. Uh, hopefully I've got a better handle on that. But yeah, I'd say that kind of gives you a little brief synopsis. I've written three books on the topics of health and fitness, and that's definitely a passion of mine for me personally and for anybody who's facing challenges or you know wants to lose weight or just wants to feel better, have more energy, sleep better, get just be in better health. And you know, if we get older, obviously that becomes even more and more critical and sometimes more challenging. You know, I've noticed on all these interviews that I do week after week, I've seen two patterns that are unexplainable other than to say pendulums seldom stop in the middle. 
So I see two types of success stories in entrepreneurial franchisors. One is like you. They come from a background of dotted I's, crossed T's, engineering, self-disciplined, and that carries them to high watermarks as successful franchisors. The others, amazingly, are those who have none of those skills, but what they lack in discipline, they make up for with grit. They are the ones who tell you, don't tell this person they can't do something because they'll double down and get it done. And then they find the need for professional management as they start to scale and grow because they don't have those skill sets, but don't tell them they can't do it because they double down, they'll triple down. Yeah, and they'll those, get, yeah, get it done. Yeah, those people tend to be motivated when somebody says that something's impossible. They're like, hmm, okay, I'll take that as a challenge. So before we go to a break, tell us a little bit about Home Task and how large is that now? And you talked about multiple companies and multiple brands. So a little more background. Yeah, so hometask.com is a, basically it's a service portal. So it's a place where people can go to schedule services of all types. The percentage of traffic that flows through it is less focused on on my brands now than it is on supporting other small mom and pops and other brands. The brands that I have owned, I guess at one point we were in the neighborhood of around 300 locations nationwide. And now, and that was across multiple different brands. Now the, the only brand that I still own is Yellow Van Handyman. And we did own Pet Butler from 2010 to 2016. uh, And that's a great brand with a lot of really good franchisees. And they were in trouble in in 2010 when we took it over and and we were able to help structure an infrastructure in place and really help them to get out of debt and become profitable and grow. And honestly, the only reason that I even sold that brand was because I felt like the people that I was selling it to could do a better job of helping the franchisees grow beyond where they were at. It just wasn't something I feel like I've ever been enormously good at. And and I think that the company that did acquire it has done a pretty decent job of helping them with that. And so it was rocky at first, but overall, I think it was still a good move. And then- but that was uh, a, successful, a successful exit for you? It was, it was very good for me. And you know, I'm actually still a franchisee for that brand in Seattle and have some folks running that for me. Take home value there that I just wanna make sure we- we share with the audience is you kind of know where your skills are and where they aren't. And for those in the emerging franchise or community that might be listening, there's lessons learned in what you're sharing here, Jared. Because- yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I openly admit that. And I told the franchisees this, that that was the reason why I was selling is I just didn't feel like I could put my finger on how to make this thing grow. And I know that that there's probably experts out there that are kind of rolling their eyes. Maybe people I could have brought on the team or done some things different or something, but we had tried some stuff and we just didn't feel like we were hitting it. I felt like that the location should be growing more than what they were and just being, you know, the size they were at and doing okay and just managing transfers and different things like that wasn't enough. And I'll also say that was such a huge learning thing for me. And I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to take over that brand because when you acquire another brand versus founding a brand, you take the emotion out of the leadership. And I realized how emotionally tied I was to the brands that I started versus how I approached Pet Butler when we took it over because it was very mechanical. There were certain things that we had to do and needed to do and and we did them very well. And there was no emotion tied to it. Everything was a business decision. And I, I can't say that was true about Yellow Van Handyman 
And so that was a really great learning opportunity for me. I think that everyone who's growing businesses, regardless of their size, regardless of whether or not they're in franchising, but certainly in franchising, ought to be growing a business that is communicable. In other words, you growing an entity that you at some point sell or give away or you know pass on in some way. You ought to be thinking about what's the value of this product that I'm building, not just to the franchisees, but to uh, someone else who might be able to pick it up and take it farther than what you're capable of doing or or maybe what you want to do. And even further, I'll say that I don't think that my eyes were even wide enough when I was growing some businesses when I was younger, because I was in my mindset, you think, and you know, Stan, I know you've made some different changes and stuff in your life, and you've experienced the same thing and probably could say the same thing is once you've been through some different transitions, you start to realize how your value and your interest increases as you have more experience. And so trying to start and build something that you're going to spend the next 40 years working on is not a really good plan. You should try to set, you know, maybe a four to six or eight year plan to engage with something and then plan on figuring out how to transition to give yourself some opportunities to do something different. Good advice, sage advice. And frankly, it's the same advice that franchisees should enter franchising sure. with. Yeah. Yeah, franchisors shouldn't try to force their franchisees to stay. They ought to encourage them to be growing as people, not just as franchisees. They should all begin with the end in mind. Get into it knowing why you're doing it and what the exit strategy will be, if it's going to be a long-term play for legacy or if it's going to be something you're going to do, as you just suggested. Take a five or six-year run at it, scale it, and increase its value and get on to the next thing. Either one is right. There are no wrongs. I would go as far to say don't limit your kids by expecting them to take over your company. They may want to, but they've watched you grow and they've watched you grow a company and they know hopefully you've included them in that process and they know what that's all about and it's actually limiting i think to your to expect your kids to step in and take over a company now there are situations like that where it works amazing and it's wonderful and we both know lots of circumstances like that where it's awesome and i'm not saying there isn't paths for that but you know, a lot of times it feels forced in some situations and that isn't something that should be a goal now grow assets grow wealth to enable god to be able to use and direct that maybe to help your family, maybe to help your community, maybe to help your country. You know, that's great. All sage advice here, Jared. You're sharing a lot of wisdom and we're going to come back from a break and talk about the next chapter in your life that's going to channel that wisdom to the good of the, well, to the good of the order, right? Yeah. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and continue the conversation with Jared Sessler. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group. But this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. 
Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. And the conversation continues with Jared Sessler, who has just shared a wealth of experience in terms of both life, vision, and getting things done. And while it would seem like he's accomplished a great many checks on the bucket lists, here comes another one, which I really encourage a sanity check for, Jared, because I think that anybody today that desires to get into the swamp has something loose upstairs. But here you go. You've got a vision for something in Washington State that's calling your name and telling you to run for Congress. Where'd that come from? And tell us more about it. Yeah, well, just to answer briefly, I, I'm tired of being embarrassed to say I'm from Washington State. I just <laughs> saw a statistic this morning on Fox News reporting on the increase in crime since the beginning of this year. And while double digits looked scary enough in some places, crime was up 800% in the state of Washington. Yeah, it's terrible. And unfortunately, even with good people like me running for Congress and lots of positive changes, happening here in 2021 and heading into 22. I think we're headed for some real trouble. I wouldn't be surprised if we see upwards of half a million people a month at our southern border soon. And obviously the unrest and the violence in the main cities, especially, I think is going to get significantly worse over the next year or two. So you're throwing your hat in the ring. What happens to your business and how does that look for you? What adjustments in life are you going to be making in order to try to do something that's going to take you into the public domain? Well, it's a lot. I'll say that there has never been anything in my professional life that has motivated me like this is. And what I mean by that is I've always been selective about what I was taking on and what I was doing, but I've always been doing too much. And I've never really been one to cut things loose. And this situation has caused us to sell or close the majority of our interests business-wise. And the ones that we have left are fully run by other people who are in positions of significant authority and in some case even ownership uh, or partial ownership so that I am completely free and that's where I'm sitting today and as of the beginning of this year I don't have any responsibility on a day-to-day -day basis in any businesses that I either have interest in or that I own outright and my sole focus is winning Congress seat in Washington's fourth district. There's currently a Republican congressman in that seat who voted for impeachment he voted for the amnesty, he also voted for the January 6th commission, which will just be another kind of a witch hunt that won't produce truth, sadly. Uh, but thankfully, it's not even going to happen because the Senate didn't pass it. But yeah, so that's my main focus. I am doing some development. About five years ago, we bought a significant chunk of property in that district and have been in the process of moving. So we have the development on that property and just getting to know more and more people in our district and traveling, speaking doing all the campaigning stuff that I am doing now is, is really my main focus. What are your thoughts on the post-COVID world that we're living in? We're hearing an awful lot about hacking. I read again today that meat is going to be coming into short supply because of the most recent hack that 20% of the beef production in the U.S. has come to a complete standstill. What are your thoughts on hacking and where is this coming from? Well, I, I don't know that I'm versed enough in that to say. I mean, I, I'm just as familiar with everybody as far as what 
I've heard in terms of the hacking, you know, related to energy and pumping of oil and some of the, the meat production stuff. I think that it's probably, in my opinion, it's probably not new. I think it's probably just that when you look at where our society is going, our sources are diminishing. So it used to be that you could say you wanted to get an extra key made for your car or your house. Probably had a local locksmith that you could run to up the street and they kind of had a little, kind of a little mom and pop retail shop that you could run into and get a key made. And I know where I grew up, there was probably four or five of those within 10, 15 minutes driving distance from my house. And now how many are there now? And you see that happening across the nation where there's a lot more things that you just can't get locally anymore. You have to mail order them. And I think when you look at the level of integration that a lot of companies are going through in terms of their use of technology and, and all that kind of stuff, they become more susceptible because our actual lines to being able to get products are much more dependent on these digital communication tools. And so obviously hacking is not something new. As long as there's been digital, there's been hackers and there's avenues for them to make money. And just like the pirates in Asia, that's their job. They're trying to make money and they're just doing it in illegal ways. So, you know, I understand that the company that hacked into entity, I don't know if you want to call it a company that hacked into the pipeline that shut that down, they ended up getting a pretty significant seven figure settlement as a basically a bribe payoff to uh, reverse that and get things running again. So yeah, the suggestion is that ransom is being negotiated here as well. Yeah. So we're probably going to continue to see more of that. And I think it's just behooves us as, as a society to look at how we can defend ourselves from those threats, whether they're external or internal. So, Jared, what's your vision for this congressional run? What is it you're looking to accomplish and what is your goal and how will you achieve it? Well, my goal is to win the primary next August for starters, which I have a very good chance of doing. And I'm certainly the most well qualified. There's two other people running in addition to the incumbent. I don't personally think the incumbent's going to run again because he has almost zero chance of winning. There's there's no support for him in the district. It's a conservative district that really cares about American values and wants to see the American opportunity continue. My goal is is to go to D.C., place that I've been to with you and, and many of our friends probably listening here dozens of times and sit on the other side of the table and help craft and create and lead legislation that will help enable our great republic and the great opportunity that is America to continue. But even furthermore, I think the truth is, is that every single congressional seat is turning into a digital channel. So I'm really going to start a production company to help encourage, to spread hope in America. I think that more people should spend time on Hillsdale College and PragerU and the Center for Self-Governance and different things like that to educate themselves on how America actually works. Because there's way too many people that don't have any idea how it actually works who are very quick to condemn what's actually going on. So I think building healthy respect for how it works is is important. And that's one of the things that will be one of my guiding lights as a congressman, hopefully a, a rather short time that I do it. I hope to be there for a few years and then be able to return and continue on the arena that I love in business. It's a, quite the ambition, but you know, if it were anyone but you, given your history, it might be seemingly, oh, maybe out of reach. But when I have learned what I have about you, Jared, I don't think anything that you put your eyes on is out of reach at all. Any parting information you want to share 
for the audience that may want to get in touch with you or stay in touch with you? Uh, well, I'll just say along those lines of your comment, I'll say if you doubt what Stan is saying, just uh, go have a look at my wife. She's amazing. Not just beautiful, but she is unbelievable. Such a great encourager. And she stands behind me all the time, 100%, and certainly more than I deserve. So that's proof that any, anything is possible <laughs> for, for if you're going to put your effort to it. So as far as my where my future's at, I'm definitely encouraging everyone in the franchise industry or, or in business to support my campaign. There will be no one in the history of Congress who is stronger for small business and especially franchising than Jared Sessler. This is a an area of extreme passion for me. I see this as you do as a uh, an industry that finds us. You know, when you look around, I think that's part of the reason why we've called it the Fran family or that's ten, tends to be common because we truly love each other and we've found this this industry has found us together. And I think when you look at this industry and look at, I don't even want to start naming names because there's just so many amazing people out there, but you you see a bunch of people who really care more about the success of others than they do themselves. And that's what franchising bleeds. When you cut it, you find people that are really careful in terms of their thoughtfulness and, and wanting to help others. And so that's important to me. And I'd really be very thankful and appreciative of the support from the people within this industry on my campaign for Congress. So my website for that is jaredforcongress.com or you can just go to jaredsessler.com. And a lot of the people already have my cell phone number. Many people have already donated to support the campaign and some people that are already that are also helping my campaign in terms of uh, providing some support with their t- gifts and talents and things. So that's just a uh, tremendous and something that I can I need more of. So thank you. And what about personal email? Any contact info for those that may want to outreach to you? Yeah. So the email for our campaign is yes at Jared for congress.com. And so that's yes at J-E-R-R-O-D-F-O-R congress.com. And if that's somebody in the franchise industry, then you'll get a hold of me. So yeah, that's great. Jared, anything that I didn't ask that you wish I might have? No, I'd like the chance to interview you sometime on your show. I think that would be fun. Well, we can make that happen. I appreciate it. Yeah. Longtime friend in the industry and always looked up to you and proud of the work that you're doing and appreciate the time with you here. And we do as well and wish you all the best Godspeed and safety on the campaign trail. And we'll be keeping an eye on your progress and checking in with you along the way. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. Well, that's all we have time for today. Next week, we dive into non-traditional franchise development when I'm joined by Jim Gregory, managing partner at On Campus Brands. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. 